The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. This is Wildcat Insider with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, and KMAN Sports Director, Mitch Fortner. Well, once again, K-State controls its own destiny. Following a win down in Waco, Texas, the Cats beat the Baylor Bears by the final score of 31-3. Adrian Martinez hurt again. Will Howard comes in, throws for three touchdowns. And how about the defense? Third time in Big 12 play, the Cat defense keeps the opposing team out of the end zone. A really great, well, well-rounded effort by the Cats as they get to seven and three on the season, and now alone at five and two in second place in the Big Twelve standings. Welcome to Wildcat Insider, Mitch Fortner with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, Travion Berklin helping us out on the board here today. Well, Wyatt, welcome back, and uh, hell of a trip to Waco, wasn't it? It really was. I- I'll tell you the truth. I- I'm sitting here thinking about that night and how it all played out and and, and if you think about just what we were expecting in relation to what we got wow what a performance by the Wildcats and you headlined it very very well Will Howard takes over at quarterback has another terrific game K-State really pretty dominant defensively without a doubt um, and they've done such a nice job for the most part all year long there. They didn't have a good half a uh, couple of times at TCU comes to mind and the first half of Texas at home comes to mind. But this has been a, a resilient group of guys. And for them to perform like that and, and win at Baylor like that, and I'll remind everybody at this particular point that this was a Baylor team that was averaging 38 points a game. They were really, really kind of clicking on all cylinders offensively, three straight games of – 230 rushing yards, and just really never got off the deck against the Cats. And the Wildcats were also very good offensively. I mean, Will was terrific, but I mean, some of the other guys, I mean, Deuce had another big game. How about Ben Sennett? Yeah. Ben Sennett's game was was fabulous. The offensive line, um, one of their better games. So great day and night weekend to be a Wildcat, right? Oh, my God. I mean, Two wins for the men's basketball team, two wins for the women's basketball team, a win for the volleyball team. Yeah. They won against West Virginia. It was a 6-0 and week yeah. for the Cats. You take that every time, right? Oh, absolutely, especially with both basketball teams starting their year's regular season. K-State women play in a very unique environment uh, at the home of the Milwaukee Brewers. And according to my research, it was the first ever women's basketball game in an MLB stadium. Yeah. I'm sure there haven't been too many that have taken place in that sort of environment. Heck, for even men's basketball, you got to wait till the Final Four to play in a stadium. Yeah, especially like that one because it's so large. Uh, I think I mentioned last week that uh, I had gone up there and seen a couple of baseball games this summer. Just a terrific ballpark. Uh, it was very interesting the way they laid the the floor, kind of like right on top of the pitcher's mound, to be yeah. honest with you. And uh, I, I think they had an okay crowd. Uh, the K-State women played great. Men won at Cal Berkeley, um, had a big lead, kind of lost it, and then won the game by nine. And then you throw on that football game, and, and I think you hit on the key there because it was great to perform like that and win a game like that 31-3, to but at the end of the day, with two games to go in the regular season, the single most important thing is second place by yourself in the league, and now you are back in control of your own destiny as to whether you get to Arlington, Texas or not, and you can't ask for much more than that. 
Now, I, I will say that I'm not exactly uh, – well, I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm, the next two weeks are a bit <laughs> nerve-wracking because now you control your own destiny. You have a lot to lose at this point, sure. and you're about to play two teams that I think it's fair to say they're going to be playing with nothing to lose. Well, absolutely. And, and almost – I don't even know if that's the right way to say it. In the case of West Virginia, that might be so. Well, they're playing for bowl eligibility. Uh, okay. Yes, but, but KU is not playing for bowl eligibility. They're right. playing for a better bowl game. And to me, that would be motivating, especially when you take into consideration their most recent history. I mean, seriously, they, they should be excited. Okay, fair and, point. And I know they are, you know? You corrected me. Well, fair point. not so much that, but, it, but it's like, I get your point, though. Mm-hmm. And people that follow this every day know this, but West Virginia fired their athletic director today. There are all kinds of rumors out there. But but for the most part, the the most persistent one is is he got popped today because he wouldn't fire his football coach Neil Brown. Yeah. So if you West Virginia, you're going to fire 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 Neil Brown. Kind of do it after this Saturday. <laughs> you know, if you want to do it right before your last game, whatever. Let's yeah. wait. Well, and and I I have said this before, and we we want to talk more about K State, but you know, make changes at the end of the year. I mean, come on, they still have an opportunity to go to a bowl game. Are you were are you going to fire him at 6 and 6 and then they go win a bowl game and they're 7 and 6? I'm not saying that'll happen, but it's still a possibility. So, but regardless of all of that, um because of the way they beat Oklahoma, um you know, you know that they have a little juice back in the tank, so to speak, and and K-State will get their best shot. Mm-hmm. Now, what does that mean exactly? Well, it's different in Morgantown than anywhere else they go. They're still a team with some flaws, and we'll talk about that later. But it, it's not the kind of defensive team that they've been most recently. But man, I, you know what? <laughs> yeah, you're nervous. I get it. But uh, it feels awfully good to be back in this position just a week after the frustration of of losing the game to Texas. And uh, let, let's go see what happens. So going back to Waco, uh, the first thing I want to bring up, and we we brought up names earlier, but. I want to bring up what was my what to watch for on Power K game day, and I said third and fourth downs because both K-State and Baylor are are best in the Big 12, fourth down offense and fourth down defense, one and two. Right. But Baylor goes for it on fourth down way more than K-State, and they've been very successful. I think they had 16 of 22 fourth down conversions in Big 12 play going into that game. And we knew that you know Baylor, when they needed to, they're going to go for it on fourth down and try to beat you. Sure. Well, Baylor finished 0 for 3 on fourth down. They were just 4 of 12 on third down. K-State on the flip side was 8 of 13 on third down, 1 for 2 on fourth down. And I think it was so much more important that they convert these third and fourth downs as K-State did and defensively make those stops is because neither team was going to bring, give up very many big plays. So you're going to have to convert third downs and stop fourth downs to win these games. But K-State secondary, Josh Hayes, made two really big stops on fourth down and also an incomplete pass on fourth down for Baylor. One of those stops was deep in Baylor territory. K-State's defense, they would give up some yards on some drives, but they really buckled down and made stops. Well, but at the end of the day, though, for that team to get 306 total yards is in every way a win for the Wildcats. And you talked about the secondary. Uh, For me... They were terrific. But I think this game was won at the line of scrimmage for Kansas State, both offensively and defensively. 
I thought, as an example, <laughs> you know, that, that O-line was so rock solid of, of giving guys lanes to run um, and, and taking advantage of that. And then I, I, Stan, of course, you know, he's usually on it. And if you listen to what he said in, in our breakdown of the two teams, he, he, in essence, said, if you can neutralize Baylor's run game, and I know it's easy to say that, but it's hard to do. But if you can do that, their, their pass game becomes pretty ordinary. That is exactly what happened. They could not run the ball with the efficiency that they normally do. And they also don't have – their receivers are really talented. They're just younger. They lost Tyquan Thornton and others off of that team, and Tyquan Thornton's making a living at the next level. So that's a, that's a monumental thing. But the defense was pretty dominant at the line of scrimmage from my perspective, and that, that's where it all started. Yeah, and that's without actually you know getting home. They, the defense did not have a sack, and they yep. had one tackle for loss. Mm-hmm. But they did get some pressure – on Blake shape and you get him moving and well they were they were good enough at the line of scrimmage and and it probably should be said at this point too that K-State whether it was at the line of scrimmage or at the mid level or in the secondary level they tackled well hmm. and Baylor was inefficient enough running the ball that they kind of had to go to you know Blake shape and trying to you know do some quarterback draw things and you know run late kind of things and that didn't work very well either. They they were just stymied all night long. I was a little surprised Aranda didn't run Richard Reese a little bit more. He had 54 yards on nine carries, six yards a carry, and, he, and his longest run with 14 yards. Yeah. I thought he was their best option on Saturday to run the football. I was a little surprised they limited him to nine, nine carries in the entire game. Yeah, and I, I think you can go there. Um, I I would tell you that I don't know that he is absolutely as he as healthy as he was three weeks ago. Right. And I think we saw, you know, in in before our game, the game last week, he didn't have a whole lot of carries after carrying it like thirty five times the week before. Well, so <laughs> he that's because against Oklahoma he was actually sick. Yeah, he had he, the flu Friday the flu. night and yeah. didn't didn't feel very well, uh, so on and so forth. But I think he's also, you know, feeling the effects of a long season as a freshman sure. and all of those kind of things. Uh, not that I'm trying to, you know, bail Baylor out here uh, with the coaches with him carrying it that few of times. But let me remind you at this particular point that they had just 61 plays in the game too, and pretty much all night long they were behind. <laughs> so that's not their mo, right? That's not how they play. They like to play the run game play ahead, play at their pace. They really got very little of that Saturday night in Waco. Yeah, and if you know Coach Kleiman, if you've heard him speak at press conferences, when you when you hold the ball for 37 minutes and 37 seconds, yeah, yeah Kleiman's probably pretty jazzed about that. Also, you mentioned the number of plays. K-State had, what, 79? Mm-hmm. 79 to 61. Yeah, that's a pretty significant difference. Oh, yeah. But but again, you you talked about the time of possession. A lot of times, time of possession can be a relatively, what do I want to say, just a non-factor stat. Not in this game. Not in this game. It was pretty significant that K-State possessed it that long, had that much success moving the ball, and in the same breath, Baylor was struggling so much when they had the football. 
Oh, yeah. You, there used to be those days where Baylor had the ball for 24 <laughs> minutes and scored 48 points, absolutely. 49 points. Yeah, yeah, absolutely true. It was just a great win. You know what everybody knows that follows this fairly closely, K-State had, had not beaten Baylor for a while. I think our players were motivated by that. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt. Uh, Will Howard referenced that a little bit in some of his postgame comments. He wasn't the only one, but I, I did hear him say that. And, you know, what? Uh, just to, at the end of the day, just to, just to give you an idea of, of why the time of possession and the start was important, 15-minute quarters, K-State held the ball for 11.02 of the first quarter and had a plays advantage of 23-9. to <laughs> Good way to start the ball game. Yeah, it's easy to forget that that the the <laughs> score of the game at the end of the first quarter was zip zip. That's right, no score. However, even though Casey was driving, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. They yeah. were driving ninety seven yards to go up seven nothing, and then the next thing you know, boom, it's seventeen to three, and you're feeling pretty good about where they're at. Not over at that point, but feeling good about it. Man, Ben Sinnott, you mentioned Ben Sinnott, eighty nine yards on seven catches. That was and two touchdowns. That was one of the biggest productive games from a tight end k-state's probably had in a long time when it comes to number of catches number of touchdowns uh, i mean daniel a matter baby he had that big, that long touchdown against nevada yep. i remember that emphatically from last year but you I, haven't seen the notes yet you, you'll get a packet tomorrow right right but right on the front page of k-state's release that ryan lackey put out today and this is why you know we compliment him always because because of the job he does with two touchdown catches at Baylor, Ben Sennett became the first Wildcat tight end with multiple touchdowns in a game since Jarrett Gross Didier did it against Indiana State in 1996. Holy crap. Well, there you go. <laughs> wow. By the There's way, your about, stat of the day, buddy. Why Thompson flashing his notes in front of me? Is he getting some a day before? Nah. I, I have the option to print them out, but uh, no, that just a joke. But uh, well, there you go. I mean, that kind of backs it up of. How how gigantic a day that was for Ben Sinnott. And we went in that game, you know, a little iffy on exactly how healthy Malik Knowles and Cade Warner were, at least, you know, from the Tuesday press conference. We, we figured they would play, but, you know, are they 100%? We saw after the game Saturday, this two Saturdays ago, that Cade mm-hmm. Warner was in a boot yeah. after the game. I was pretty concerned, especially him, the way he's been playing the last four weeks. Well, I think that's one thing that probably hasn't been talked a lot about because – this team has been resilient. They've really fought back from some adversity and stuff. But the other factor of this group is a lot of these veteran guys. You hear Coach Kleiman talk about these veteran players being leaders. But the other thing those guys have done in addition to the leadership and the production is that almost all of them have played at some point injured. And in several cases with these guys – more times than not, dinged up, not near 100%. And that mm-hmm. was true Saturday night with Malik Knowles. That was true Saturday night with Philip Brooks, without a doubt. They were okay production-wise, but not like they normally are. Man, how sweet was that bullet to, to Ben Sinnott on that first touchdown pass in a shoebox between two defenders? Yeah, it was a heck of a throw. It, it really, truly was. And Will's just playing with so much confidence right now. I'm... I, I, Got to just say this. He's thrown the ball 84 times is all this year. 84 times in three games. And he's already at nine touchdown passes. 
Well, I, I'll that give you a, that's impressive, man. I, I'll give you a stat as we go to break here. This is okay. from D. Scott Fritchin and also Ryan Lackey. D. Scott Fritchin tweeted this out. I thought it was a fantastic stat. Um, th- this is for those Will Howard fans out there. Uh, Will Howard has thrown nine touchdowns in the last three games. That is the most touchdown passes in three consecutive games, but a Wildcat quarterback in program history. Wow. Josh Freeman, L. Roberson, and Chad May each shared the previous record at eight apiece. My goodness, that is a good note. Leave it to D. Scott and, and those guys to come up with stuff like that. That's, that's, uh, that's really well done. And, well, it, and it shows you, you know, again, <laughs> he's just playing with a great deal of confidence and he's ripping it. He's just ripping it. Well, there's no doubt uh, the, the quarterback conversation has really heated up once again, especially after Will Howard's performance against Baylor. We'll talk more about that in the second hour. When we come back, let's hear from Will himself with the media after Saturday's game next on Wildcat Insider. All right, so like Troy mentioned, it's a 1 o'clock kick for the Cats in Morgantown on Saturday. Boy, it feels like it's been forever since we've had a kickoff that early, but um, that means Power Cat Game Day will start at 9 in the morning this Saturday. Myself, along with Cole Manbeck and Derek Young. And, by the way, we got the kickoff time for K-State KU a week from Saturday, the Bill, and it's going to be a night kickoff, 7 o'clock. And why I just want to tell you the 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 football gods have answered my prayers <laughs> because here was my situation. Okay, Manhattan football is eleven and zero. They're hosting Derby. They're hosting Dylan Edwards and Derby at Bishop Stadium this Friday. It's going to be cold, but we'd love to see you out there, guys. Winner goes to the state championship game in Emporia a week from Saturday. The only shot I had of calling that game if Manhattan makes it to state is if K-State and KU kicked off at 7. That was the only chance. Is that right? And very rarely do we get 7 o'clock kickoffs. Just so happens that the well, league, uh, the league right. office in uh, Fox considered my my situation. Yeah. Well, and, I, uh, here's how I like to think about it, and, and I'm glad you get to, to call the high school game for sure because who wouldn't want to call that, right? Especially if oh. uh, if you knock off Dylan Edwards and Derby first, right? Yes. Uh, I look at it like they were protecting me a little bit and making up for putting our game this week on ESPN Plus, and that's why you get Big Fox. That's probably not true, but oh that's boy. the way I choose to look at it. I think it's ridiculous that our game this weekend is on ESPN Plus, but we'll survive it and uh, enjoy Big Fox when uh, the Sunflower Showdown rolls around. How's that? Yeah, I did realize that, uh, yeah, the Cats get ESPN Plus at 1 o'clock in Morgantown. That's 7-3 and three versus 4-6. and six. Correct. Meanwhile, 6.30 on ESPNU, you have 4-5 and five Missouri hosting 4-5 and five New Mexico State. Oh, boy. Seriously? It's not even a league game? No. Come on, no. man. It's, a, it's the one week, you know, the late week that the SEC has that they just schedule a bunch of cupcakes. Yeah, they're a week off. Yeah. It's week th- two or three for everybody else. All right. Speaking of the SEC, the latest bull projections, a lot of, uh, a lot of sugar bowl. A lot of sugar bowl because – I. I'm guessing what they're thinking is TCU's going to run the table, make it to Arlington undefeated, and even win or lose, K-State has a great chance of making it to New Orleans because TCU can get to the championship game undefeated. If they were to lose to K-State, you know, 12-1, and still a great shot of making the playoff. Mm-hmm. Especially with, you know, Ohio State-Michigan still play each other and uh, 
you know, just kind of we'll wait and see how it turns out. But uh, well, you could make an argument that K State, if they win out and TCU wins out, again, big ifs. I get it, <clears throat> but you could probably make an argument that win or lose, K State will go to the Sugar Bowl. Yes, now, that's yeah. that's the, the the cool part for me. Um, being somebody that follows K-State, loves K-State, all of those kind of things, that's what you want. You want mm-hmm. the best scenario possible. And that could certainly play out because if TCU wins out, uh, regardless of – I mean, and then they win the Big 12 championship game, they should – and I'll say that again – should make the, the CFP. Should. <laughs> but why we need to take it one game at a time? That's please. correct. Absolutely. Morgantown Saturday, one o'clock. Go Good get advice. the Mountaineers. Good advice. Um, let's see here. All right, let's get to Will Howard. Will Howard has become a K State darling. He finished the game nineteen for twenty-seven, one ninety-six, and three touchdowns through the air. Two to Ben Sinnott and one to hashtag my boy Deuce Vaughn. Who I loved Will's quote after the game. He said, "I as soon as I threw it to twenty-two, I knew he was getting to the end zone. He threw that juke on a guy. There is no way that guy was tackling Deuce Vaughn one-on-one. Completely agreed. I saw the exact same thing, Will. I I saw the exact same thing. As soon as Deuce caught that, I saw how much green was in front of him. I'm like, yeah, Baylor screwed. Not going to happen. It's, it's over. over. Yeah. All right, let's hear from Will Howard, who spoke to the media after the game Saturday night by the locker rooms. Uh, it was another relief performance, so you're just kind of used mm-hmm. to having to stay hot, I guess. Yeah, I'd gotten used to it at this point. It's you know, it's, it's my it's my job, and you know, like I say, I'm going to own my role, and you know, if that's coming in in relief when I need to, you know, I'm I've done it a couple times now. Uh, I'm getting kind of used to it, and um, you know, I credit to all the guys around me for for rallying around me and. And staying up on me and, you know, just telling me how much they believe in me and everything. And, you know, when you got that and you got dudes making plays like they were tonight, it makes my job easy. What did you see on that first touchdown pass to Ben? They brought a a field pressure and we knew that, you know, when they bring that pressure, they're probably going to go cover three. They run, you know, they ran that, the the safety that was to the boundary. He went to the field, became that cover or that cover three, one high safety. He got a little too far to the field. I knew I could probably have a window to bang it on Ben and he was there and all I had to do was put it on him. Ben talked a little bit about your guys' relationship, just being able to have not only a good tight end, but a friend that you can throw the ball to and get involved. How cool is that? It's super cool. It's super cool. I, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that I find, you know, we've been talking about he's been wanting to get, you know, a touchdown. And, and, you know, it was really cool because, you know, we're so tight off the field. And, you know, everybody in that locker room is super tight. But, you know, me and Ben have a really good relationship. And uh, it, was, it was pretty special to get him a couple, couple today. The second one was... That the plan to make that a back shoulder throw, or did it just kind of work out that way? Uh, yeah, it just kind of worked out that way. You know, we we got a, a little pressure off the off that side. Um, you know, we knew we had bracket man coverage, and uh, and you know, I I probably could have worked my you know my field concept, but I decided you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna let my my big dog go uh, go get it, and and uh, I just put it up for him, and I knew that Ben's a tremendous athlete. People people don't give him enough credit for how good of an athlete he is. You know, you guys have seen it the last two weeks with the hurdle and. And uh, you know a couple of really good plays this week. He's he's a really good athlete. Just let him throw the ball up for him. Let him go make a play on a, on a smaller defender. 
What was your reaction when, when Deuce juked that guy on the window? It took a while to get up there. I, I knew as soon as I gave that ball around. to Deuce that he was scoring. There was no way that that dude was tackling him just because he's so good, he's so elusive. There's, the first guy is never going to tackle him, you know, just because of, of how good of a player he is. And, you know, they, they brought a pressure off that side again, and they weren't able to get out to him, and they weren't able to rotate somebody over to take him, and they kind of forgot about Deuce. So I was like, you know, that's, that's not, a, not a good thing to forget about Deuce out of the backfield. So, you know, put him one-on-one -on -one in space with anybody. I got, I got 22 every day of the week. After what happened in 2020 here, I mean, we've already talked to Deuce Green and some of the other guys. For you personally, how cool was it to do more than just win tonight? It was it was really cool. Um, you know, I definitely another one of, another one, another one of the games that I kind of had circled. You know, I really really wanted to get these dudes. It's been been a couple of years since we beat them. You know, just as K State and you know myself as well. And you know, being down here, being a night game, kind of brought back that memory a little bit. And it was it was sweet. You know, Coach Coach Kleiman, you know, kind of came up to me when I was going in and said, you know, you owe these dudes one and and. We, and I did, and we did, and uh, it was it was cool to get it done. You're playing with a lot of confidence, and after the last two years, where did that confidence come from? It's just banked reps, experience. You know, a lot of I, I've said the last couple of weeks. You know, those things that I went through, you know, made me a lot better, and they told me it showed me the things I needed to work on, and I feel like I got a lot better at some of those things. There's still a lot of things that I need to work on, and, and I know that, and, uh, and that's what's exciting for me and for us is that there's still so much out there for us, and, you know, we're, we're you know, you're obviously never going to play the perfect game, but, um, you know, I feel like just experience, being out there, you know, it just feels like the game slows down, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's nice because, you know, as, as you get older, you know, things just, things just start to click. You know, you're a little more... You've been in the system longer. You get it. You know you're kind of focusing more on the defense than you know what your offense is doing, and it lets you play a little more free. How much does it mean to you to be the, the guy at quarterback who's leading the charge here in a Big 12 championship race? You know, we I like to say we don't really think about the, you know the Big 12 championship, but you know to to be in the spot that we're in, it's pretty cool. You know, we control our own destiny. There's there's a uh, you know a couple slots, le a couple games left, and and uh, we gotta we just gotta finish and and two more games. Um, that's that's what we're focusing on right now is, is West Virginia this week and then you know whoever Kansas you know we like to play one game at a time so I like to say you know we don't don't even want to get there so you know we're gonna focus on West Virginia this week get the win and and then uh, I guess we'll we'll figure out what what all happens with the Big 12 and and uh, you know we just kind of tr kind of having that process mindset is is what has helped us to this point and and what will continue to help us I think it was brought up in that conversation the 2020 game and if you might remember, Baylor with a with a field goal to win it, and Baylor beat the Cats 32-31, but Will Howard threw a couple of picks, and Baylor had a 17-point fourth quarter to help him pick up that victory. So he absolutely redeemed himself after two years ago, 9 of 18 for 88 yards, a touchdown, and two picks. So Will Howard, I think, is a much better quarterback. I think everybody does see that. And that quarterback conversation has taken another step further in heating up on who should be the guy if both are healthy. And we'll talk more about that at 510, but when we come back, last weekend in the Big 12, K-State needed some help to earn that right to control their own destiny in the Big 12 standings. And we'll talk about that and the other matchups last Saturday in the Big 12 next. Well, this is a different one, Trayvon. What is this? Little Nas X. Oh. 
man. Sorry, why didn't know? I didn't, I don't mean to disappoint you, but that's why we have Travion around. I don't even know what the man said. What did he say? What did he say it was? Lil Nas X. Okay. You might as well have just he, sneezed. I have no idea. <laughs> he did that Old Town Road song oh, with see. Billy Ray Cyrus. Okay. Welcome back to Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner, the voice of the Cats. Hall of Famer Wyatt Thompson and Travion Berkland is on the board today. Looking back at last Saturday in the Big 12, all 10 teams in action. And K-State needed a little bit of help. And I think a lot of a lot of people, and I think too many people, felt too good about Texas. You should have known better that they were going to win out. Guys, are you serious? I mean, they got to play TCU at home. You think they're going to win out? <laughs> My prediction came true. I was so happy about it, of course, because it meant K-State, after beating Baylor, destiny was back in their hands after TCU went on the road with college game day there. Big environment. Second largest attendance at DKR Texas Memorial Stadium history. Over 104,000 fans attended. Texas offense scoring three points. Defense got a seven-pointer or a six-pointer. So they got bailed out there a little bit. But TCU gets it done. 17-10 over the Texas Longhorns. Really an interesting ball game in many, many ways. But the one thing that I noticed right away, and of course they were playing directly head-to-head with us, maybe starting about 35, 40 minutes later, is the fact that Bijan Robinson did not have a catch and ran the ball only 12 times for 29 yards. That is astonishing, in my opinion. Um, I think from what I'm hearing from my friends at TCU, it was their best defensive effort in quite some time. And, and their number one effort this year, for might sure. Have been, might have been ever. <laughs> Maybe. You held yeah. Bijan to 29 yards and yeah. the rushing offense at Texas to 1.3 yards a carry? Yeah. I mean, they stuffed them. They just didn't really do anything at all. And, you know, Ewers, <laughs> 17 to 39 for 171 yards and a pick. Um, give, give TCU all the credit. And you're right. Most people, including me, I, I felt like Texas – after being here, I thought, hey, they may have a real shot this time. But I think what, again, these matchups are always different, you know, but but sometimes the past matters. And, and the truth is, over the last decade or so, if I'm being honest, TCU has owned Texas. Owned them. And they owned them Saturday night in Austin, too, in front of 104,203. That first half was telling me that Texas was the better defense to they, begin with because, sure. well, it wasn't Tex, It wasn't just Texas just out just blitzing the hell out of TCU. I mean, it's Blitzkrieg Bop, sure, with fourteen tackles for loss, five sacks. I think all five sacks were in that first half. If, if I remember watching it correctly, Duncan know. was sacked five total times. Yeah, so they I, got to him. Oh my god! I mean, it was just blitz after blitz after blitz, and TCU. I mean, it felt like nobody was going to score. I mean, I thought it was going to be 0-0. We're going overtime. It was just such good defensive play. TCU gets a field goal in the first half, and then they go up 10-3 in the in the third quarter, then trade touchdowns in the fourth. But also, I mean, Quinn Ewers, it took him forever just to complete a pass. Mm-hmm. That, that was the compliment of the TCU defense. Yeah. That's what the, They were hanging their hat on is T- Texas couldn't complete a pass. 
Well, you may agree with this and you may not, but I'm just going to say this. This league is chock full of really good running backs, but there is no doubt in my mind that the most underrated back in this league from start to finish has been Kendra Miller. That dude had 21 carries for 138 yards and a touchdown. And that 75-yard touchdown was the ball game. Fair? I, I agree with you. I, I, I do absolutely agree with you. When you brought up that name, though, it made me think, you know, it was actually really close between Kendry Deuce and, and Bijan and who the leading rusher in the conference is. You sure. know, Kendry with that great performance and he ran for 138. I mean, he have, he may have taken over for Bijan Robinson as the leading rusher in the conference. Well, he, he, just, look it up. he just has toughness um, that that I think stands out. And if you remember back to our game at, at Fort Worth, one of the first things out of the mouth of Chris Kleiman was is the difference in this game tonight was Kendra Miller or some something close to that. I, and I, I couldn't disagree with that. He, he was very, very good that night, and he was very, very good Saturday night. So I'm trying to – Okay, so Bijan is averaging 115.8. Kendry, 114.7. Uh, Eric Gray is now past Deuce Vaughn for 111.3 and Deuce Vaughn, 108.1 yeah. per game. And, and here's what I try to point out to everybody that will listen. All of those numbers are really good, mm-hmm. right? When you factor in, and nobody does, when you factor in the receiving with that, guess who's the best guy? Deuce Vaughn. Correct. End of story. So thank you, TCU. We, <laughs> we didn't like you for a while, and now we love you. The Purple's working together to make Arlington Purple coming up on December 3rd. I think that's the day, right? December 3rd. December 3rd, that's correct. There. Yep. Okay. 11 a.m. Uh, let's see. What else do we got here? Uh, let's go to uh, – well, let's go to the Mountaineers because they're the next opponent. Oklahoma comes to town, and – what a weird game. <laughs> to me, it was a really weird game because, you know, Oklahoma gets out to that 12 nothing. I think it was 12 nothing, is what their lead was or something like that. I was kind of off and on with that game. But here's the difference. JT Daniels basically gets benched, and then Garrett Green, the sophomore, comes in, and all of a sudden the offense is doing much better. Oh, yeah. And he's a better option for a dual-threat quarterback than JT Daniels is. And he has a 100-yard rushing day, and he throws for 138. And it just so happens, you know, this all this happens. This new quarterback now shines for West Virginia right before they play K-State. You know, it is an interesting thing because it weather-wise, it was kind of a crummy day for the fans. It was drizzly, off and on rain, what have you. And it, it was really Oklahoma's game to start. I mean, it was scoreless uh, through one. But then Oklahoma had a 10-0 lead to start. Oh, uh, that's right. Kind of let that get away. In the touchdown. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, again, you got to say it. Green was probably the difference. You mentioned his numbers. It, he goes 12 of 22 for 138 yards and maybe even more importantly rushed 14 times for 119 and two. That's uh, – that's really the difference. And who knows what they'll do this week, but I think we have a pretty good feel of what their fans are hopeful of. They're hoping for Garrett Green, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
and he, yeah, he came in right before the end of the half. He scores that touchdown, and all of a sudden they're doing so well. But also, I would say previous to that, I mean, West Virginia has had a tough time running the football in conference play. They have. You know, Tony Mathis just hasn't been – well, with the, with the offensive line, it just – it hasn't been clicking. They've even had a tight end running the football, and he's had a 100-yard rushing day, maybe even a couple of them. But that still hasn't been consistent either. I, I, I think what you saw from Garrett Green for West Virginia, that was some of the most consistent running the football that West Virginia has had in Big 12 play for a while. Yeah. Well, Tony Mathis is a good back, but they have had some injury issues in their offensive line, and he also, too, has been beaten up. That's part of it. He had 23 carries for 53 yards on Saturday. So it was this game, for those who don't know, came down to the final play. Casey Leg, a 25-yard field goal with, with time expiring, and, and West Virginia wins to keep their slim bowl hopes alive. So big win for them for sure. All right, let's see what else we have. I, uh, Iowa State at Oklahoma State, the, the Cyclones, believe it or not. This is talk about where Iowa, or Oklahoma State was at the time. They were top 25, then they lose to Kansas, and then all of a sudden they're a one point underdog to Iowa State, who had won three or four games going into that game. Yep. That's a tough spot. This, the difference, though, was Spencer Sanders, who came in off, don't the know, bench. Yeah, off the bench, don't know exactly how healthy he was. But was the difference? Absolutely. Gunner Gundy got the start, went five for twelve. Um, Spencer came in um, and and went nine of thirteen for eighty four yards and a score. And they're just a whole different team. Even if he is out there at, let's just throw out a number at say eighty to eighty five percent, just a, a different looking team. And he he was the difference making guy. No question about that. And then the final game. And Texas Tech, I believe, was a three-and-a-half-point favorite. And for a while there, I mean, Texas Tech busted open with a, like a three-point or three-score lead. Then here comes Kansas. And then it's a shootout until uh, Texas Tech opens it up in the fourth quarter. My question is, heading into this next week for Kansas against Texas, you know, what is their quarterback situation? Because Jason Bean at one point was taken out of the game, and Jalen Daniels is still kind of mm-hmm. iffy with his status. Ethan Vasco came in and, and kind of finished up, actually. Bean was 17 of 28 for 273, but also threw a pick. KU was, to be real blunt, they didn't really defend great, didn't tackle necessarily great, and and this was a game where they made too many mistakes to be able to win a game on the road. Uh, I don't know that Texas Tech was fabulous, but they were good enough at home. And um, the, the score basically shows pretty one-sided, 43-28. Game was probably a little closer than that for the most part. But, um, you know, Shuck was okay. He threw for 246. He, he's, he's, you know what? I think they believe in him, even though he got hurt in game one. They, they're, they're trying to play him now. And Donovan Smith came back for a few yeah, plays, he I did. see here. Yeah, he, he threw one pass. Uh, I think ran one or two times, I believe, so... Yeah, it, it's been an interesting year for them. But, but again, mistakes um, really cost Kansas in that game. Well, here's your breakdown of the Big 12 standings heading into this next week. TCU undefeated. They are into the Big 12 championship game. They locked their spot with the win in Austin. So they're now 7-0 and in the conference. K-State is alone in second place, two games back of the Frogs at 5-2 and with the 7-3 record. There is a three-way tie for third place. Oklahoma State, Baylor, and Texas are 4-3. and If K-State wins against TCU and Texas loses, 
to Kansas in Lawrence. K-State is on their way to the Big 12 championship game. So it can be locked up next or this upcoming Saturday. And then you have Texas Tech and Kansas tied for sixth, a tie for eighth with West Virginia and Oklahoma. Iowa State last place, one and six in the conference. And that's going to do it for Hour 1 of Wildcat Insider. Coming up in hour number two, quarterback conversation is heated up once again with another great performance by Will Howard, who still has, who can play a game before his red shirt evaporates. Plus, the men's basketball game team is 2-0. We'll talk about them next.